Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Just like if you were stranded on an island, you would write, help! Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, it was comparing myself to others, not feeling like I'm enough, and being afraid to express my needs. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed anytime. The service is available for clients worldwide and you can start communicating in just under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There are other numbers that I list in the show notes that you can go to for those services. With BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and Financial aid is available. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Quote, after counseling with Jennifer Dressler for three weeks on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, and trauma, I really appreciate Jennifer's empathy and kindness. I feel heard and supported, and she has offered some really helpful practices. End quote. Another BetterHelp user, quote, after counseling with Michelle Solo for two weeks on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, addictions, and self-esteem, Michelle and I have just begun communicating and already I have boundless hope for my future. She's very tool-oriented and doesn't just listen. I've never before had a therapist who is so actively involved in taking steps to help you get better. I would highly recommend her, especially for those who have lost faith in therapy. I did. She's going to surprise you. So please visit betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. My apologies. As you can hear, the sound is coming out of your left speaker, left side, versus both sides. And I did that by accident, which is ironic because this episode is about perfectionism. So it ties in hand to hand. This is not a perfect episode, but we're going to upload it anyway because uh, it's a, it's a, it's how, this is life laughing at me. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all for sharing the episodes. That is really powerful. We keep growing and you are a part of that. Today I want to talk about perfectionism. This comes up so often, and it recently came up for me, where I'm part of this men's group called Onda, 
I started it during the pandemic. It was my way of connecting with other like-minded people um, who, because I was struggling, I felt lonely. I felt disconnected as a lot of us did during the pandemic. And I wanted to have a weekly check-in with other groups of, or other uh, male individuals. And during the pandemic, we did it every uh, Wednesday. And and we continue to do it to this day. We use Marco Polo to connect. And anyway, so a friend of mine shared in the group that he felt like he was consuming too much. And he wants to go from consuming a lot to creating more. And that really stuck with me. I was like, wow, I really want to create more than consume because I felt like I was consuming a lot of news and social media and food. <laughs> I definitely put on maybe 15 pounds during the pandemic. And then another friend of mine was like, yeah, I want to create more too, but I don't want to create just for the sake of creating. I want to make sure that I put out something that's worth putting out there. I have friends who create and most of it is crap, yada, yada, yada. And so there's kind of this back and forth of do, should you create just for the sake of creating um, or do you wait until you really have that one thing that you feel like is presentable to the world? And so, it, you know, we kind of got into the topic of perfectionism of are we waiting for that perfect moment, that perfect product, that perfect someone? And when we do, it we lose so much of ourselves along the way. Uh, you know, if you're not familiar with what perfectionism is, let me define it. Uh, perfectionism can be defined, and this is according to uh, lewisu.edu. Perfectionism can be defined as having excessively high standards and being overly self-critical. I would argue that the second part of this definition, self-criticism, is the most harmful. There's a stark difference between self-reflective and understanding how to admit to and learn. Oh, let me read that again. There's a stark difference between being self-reflective and understanding how to admit to and learn from your own mistakes versus judging yourself so harshly that mistakes are intolerable. The emotional consequence of this kind of self-judgment is often shame, which is damaging and can erode our ability to have a positive sense of self. So I really want to hone in on that that second part, as they did here, where, yes, it it is important for us to be self-reflective and understanding um, and learning how to admit our mistakes, but if we are harshly judging the mistakes and, and finding it intolerable and we're criticizing ourselves, that's where the harm comes in. So notice that the harm is not in, you know, succeeding or failing or winning or losing or getting an A or getting an F. The harm comes from how we view it, how we respond to it, right? The self-criticism, the the beating up of ourselves, the self-flagellation, the, um, you know, feeling like this is the end of the world and I'll never recover from this, and this is the worst thing ever kind of thinking. 
that is where the harm comes in. But if we look at the mistakes that we've made and and the the outcome as an opportunity for us to learn so that we can grow and build and move towards something else, now we have a more helpful instead of a more harmful way of viewing our our outcome, right? You know, I, I, in the my buddy in the group sent out this, there was a study done way back in the day by a professor, and he broke his classroom up into two different groups. And in one group, he told the group to take, if they took 100 photos or submitted 100 photos, that they would receive an A. So their A was based just on quantity, right? Um, Just send, if you submit 100 photos, you get an A. The other group, he said, I want you guys to submit one photo, and it has to be a perfect photo. And what he found was the first group that submitted 100 photos, they had awesome photos. They had great photos. And not only did they have great photos, but they learned more because they experimented more. They were more playful. They um, they tried different techniques and and uh, played with the lighting and the shutter speed, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas uh, the second group that had to submit one photo, 99% of the photos were mediocre. And so this is a reminder that, you know, go for quant. There are times where quantity allows us not only to become better skilled and improve our mastery at what we're doing. Uh, We also more than likely submit the better photo. I've been on photo shoots, you know, whether it's been for uh, movies or magazines or or modeling, those different types of things. And I'm sure that you've even seen this in movies and, and television where the photographer, no matter how great a photographer he is, He's taking, he or she, they're taking a million photos. They're not taking one photo and then done. They're not putting the person in one. Even if you're a top model, even if you pair the top a top model with a top photographer, they're taking thousands of photos. And even after they've taken all of those photos, they still have to go in and Photoshop and do some post-production on it. So there's so much work that goes into those magazine covers. There's so many, so, there was so much uh, uh, that was submitted. There wasn't, the photographer didn't have to submit one photo. That's too stressful. It's more fun to be like, take a million photos and now we can play around and we can experiment and change the lighting and take our time and take a break and get some feedback and all those things. It becomes more collaborative and also celebratory versus stressful and contractive and, and you know, just feeling tense because everything's riding on this one photo, this one submission. And so if you're in school, it's like to think that this one test means everything. This one school, if I don't get into this one school, 
if I don't get past this one test, that sometimes our, you know, the thing that we lose becomes a space for us to gain in some other area. Coming back to this article, uh, Lewis, uh, edu, it talks about the types of perfectionism. I thought this was interesting. Uh, there are three types of perfectionism. There's the self-oriented, socially prescribed, and other-oriented perfectionism. And self-oriented perfectionism was defined as attaching irrational importance to being perfect, having unrealistic expectations of oneself, and holding punitive self-evaluation. So, you know, and you see this, especially on social media, where people are only posting the the best photos of themselves, showing them having the best time, um, and, and only, you know, posting the highs of their life. Where I have a friend, uh, he's always posting him and his family in the Louvre or, you know, somewhere in Budapest or the, the, the grades that his kids are receiving or the honors. It's all celebratory. It's all top-notch. Uh, they're eating at the best restaurants, and he's so grateful, and et cetera, et cetera. And there's there's no vulnerability. There's no hey, we're struggling with this, or this is a challenge. It's all highs. And you know, if that's how you want to present yourself, I get that. Um, some people see themselves as a brand. Uh, however, if that's how you're presenting yourself in social media and publicly, don't feel like that's who you have to be also privately. You know, in, in Chinese, they say there's the public self, the private self, and the secret self. The public self is who you're showing to the world. The private self is who you are at home and with your, your close friends and, and intimate settings. And then your secret self is the self that only you know. No one else knows about you. Maybe it's the the... the the thoughts and feelings you put in your your journal, um, but but it's your secret self that that it's a piece of you that you're keeping just for yourself, and it's it's important that we are aware of the three selves: the public, the private, and the uh, secret, so that we don't confuse them and we understand the role that each one of them are playing. For me, publicly, I'm a, I'm a person in command. I'm a person who is uh, someone who, you know, is more of a leader. I am, I'm aware. I, I speak, I, I would say I, I speak much better than this. But, you know, I'm a speaker. I'm a leader. I'm social. I'm engaging. But privately, you know, I like to keep to myself. I'm a reader. I'm a writer. I like to practice the guitar. Right. So we have and then, you know, I have my secret self, which I would tell you, but it's a secret. Right. So we have these three levels of ourselves. And so to honor and respect what each self is and then also to be aware where of maybe when one of the selves might be um, in conflict with our current values. Sometimes your values change, your needs change and your public self has to switch. I remember. One time I, I used to work at a, a, a group home and I had to take charge of this one cottage. 
and I didn't really want to. That's not the public self that I wanted to be. Um, but I was capable, and I adapted, and I stepped into that role of taking charge of being the leader, of managing people, and taking care of the kids, and running the, the operations day-to-day uh, -to -day for a, a time period. But, and that's who I had to be. But that's not who I wanted to be. So also be aware of, are you who you want to be, or is the public self the, the self that you feel like you have to be in order to survive? And sometimes we feel like we have to be perfect, right, because of the environment or situation that we're in. If you are in medical school, uh, right, now you're dealing with people's lives, and so you might feel that pressure to be perfect. Like you, you don't want to kill somebody or get someone sick or, you know, even injure or harm yourself. So being aware of is the public self who you, who you are naturally or is it someone that you feel like you have to be in order to survive? And now I said there were three types of perfectionism. We talked about the first one. The second type of perfectionism is socially prescribed perfectionism exists when individuals believe that their social context is excessively demanding. Others judge them harshly and that they must be perfect to get approval from others. And you see this socially prescribed perfectionism in school and, and even in work um, or even in Hollywood, right? Where if you're a person who is in a very high intense, or you might even see this in the military, right? Uh, military medical school, um, uh, Hollywood, like in acting and things like that, where only a few people can get in. And so you have to be on your P's and Q's and you want to be part of the elite of the elite. And so you see that. And you also might see this in like very wealthy neighborhoods, like where they have the the, what is it, the social club, the um, country club, right? So you might even see that socially prescribed perfectionism in those country club kind of settings. Um, and, and that's hard because now other people are, are judging you, they're looking at you, they have these expectations of you. You might even feel this in your family, right? If you have a big family and your parents uh, expect you to be A and B, or your siblings are looking up to you, or even your friends. Like you, we can get this socially prescribed perfectionism uh, on, from so many different levels, and it can be hard. It can be hard to stand up for yourself, to be a voice for yourself, and to honor your needs, wants, and desires versus trying to live up to what everybody is expecting and wanting from you. And and that takes time, and it takes practice, but it also takes clarity in being able to be aware of what it is we want and need. I have friends who their parents wanted them to be doctors, wanted them to be lawyers, and they became comedians and writers. And in the beginning, the parents were upset and were like, uh, you know, you're not welcome home anymore. But then when they saw the success that they were having, they were like, oh, yeah, you can, you know. Or sometimes 
It can be who you marry. You know, I only want you to marry this person in this religion or, or that religion because the family wants to pro- project a, a perfect image of the of the this kind of family. And what you'll find is if you stick to your guns, I mean, I know my mom wanted me to, you know, be with somebody within my race. And as my girlfriend, her family was the same way. You know, like, you know, find some, find a, a nice, you know, kid in your race. And so when we stick to our guns and we get clear on what we want, eventually other people fall in line. Eventually they go, you know what? This person is unreasonable. And so they're going to do what they want to do. And at some point they will accept it. So it's, it's tough. It's rough. It feels like the end of the world when you feel like you're the only one standing up for you. If you stick to your guns, you will see that other people will soon accept it. And and perfect case in point, I don't per, oh, see, I use that word, perfect case in point. Um, I was in Vegas this past weekend, and there was this uh, one of the comedians, he was filming all of his shows. And so if this is your first time listening in, also do stand-up comedy. And he's filming all the shows, and he's trying to get clips of him doing crowd work because, you know, when you post clips on social media, that's what uh, draws the audience to come see you uh, for a lot of comics. And the whole weekend he's talking about clips this, clips that, and how many views he's getting and yada, yada. I mean, it, it was just nonstop him talking about the clips. And there's another comedian who was – was like, I'm tired of hearing about the clips. Forget about the clips. Excellence is his own reward, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you have this one person who's like, technology, get clips, get on social media. And then, and then the other person who is like, I don't want to hear about that. It's, it's just about doing great work. And so I'm, I'm just watching both sides. One day, the, the guy who is all about the clips and social media he and I are talking and he's showing me on his laptop how he edits the clips. So I'm recording it with my cell phone. And so the other comedian who sees me recording the explanation with my cell phone comes over and is like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And now is all of a sudden interested in how to edit videos to make clips. And so my point is this person who is so against clips and social media, um, all it took was for her to see that we weren't going to, that he wasn't going to budge one and two, he had a collaborator now. So now it's, you know, seemingly two against one. And then she just hopped right on board and she was like, Oh, anything that Leo's interested in, I should be interested in. And so, you know, if we just stick to our guns of who we are, and what we stand for, and what we value, and what we prioritize, at some point, hopefully, others will fall in line. And so, uh, you know, view it as a test. View it as a test. When people go, you know, you shouldn't do this, or you should you should do that, and, um, you know, uh, they, they're not supportive, view it as the universe testing you to see if this is what you really want, versus feeling like, well, since they don't believe in me and they don't support me, then they're right. It doesn't mean that they're right. It's just your life's test, all right? 
And the last uh, type of perfectionism is called the other-oriented perfectionism, which happens when individuals impose unrealistic standards on those around them and evaluate them critically. So, you know, the first two we were talking about, criticizing ourselves or other people criticizing us, but then there's also the other-oriented perfectionism where we're criticizing other people, right? And the, and the damage with this is that the way we talk to other people and the way we criticize other people then becomes the way that we are talking to ourselves and damaging ourselves. So if we have this kind of all or nothing, black and white, you should be this, you should do that kind of thinking with other people, then we're going to put that same pressure on ourselves. And that doesn't really allow much room for us to grow, play, and experiment. Remember at the beginning we were talking about the professor who broke the class up into two groups, and the group that submitted 100 photos to receive the A, that was the group that played more, was more collaborative, experimented more, came up with more, um, you know, with different ideas and angles, and just was generally more creative. And just and also learned more skills in photography versus the group that had to submit one photo. They submitted mostly mediocrity. And so if we're criticizing, if we're other-oriented in, in perfectionism and expecting making these unrealistic demands on, the, on those around us, we are essentially limiting their creativity. We're limiting their ability to master a skill or a trade. And the, the, the harm in that is then we're not learning also. If the people around us only are, are, are only as smart as we are, then we're not being fed. We're not being fed. We're not learning anything. We need people in our circle who are going to go off and experiment and create and do wild things and go rogue and go off script and, and try new things so that when they come back and they share their story and their experience, we are all learning and growing together. It's, it's compound interest. A lot of times we think about compound interest in terms of it being financial, but there's a social compound and there's an informational compound interest. Uh, I guess you call it compound information, where the, the more that I'm learning and the more that the people around me are learning and creating and experimenting, then the, the faster we can grow. I mean, there's a reason why Google and Facebook and all these different companies uh, pay so much, pay so much to have the greatest thinkers, the greatest minds, the greatest artists, the greatest engineers, um, but also not just the greatest, but, but people who are going to think out the box and be a little wild and, and off kilter and, and you don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to say or, or what they're going to create. And so to have that diversity of, of thinking is super important, right? And also, you know, I also want to double down on this idea of, um, uh, you know, perfectionism and that there are mental health consequences for perfectionism. I mean, research has demonstrated that high rates of perfectionism, especially self-oriented perfectionism, 
can lead to significant mental health consequences, such as depression, general anxiety, socially specific anxiety, lower life satisfaction, feelings of low self-worth. Additionally, high perfectionistic individuals struggle with the ability to emotionally self-soothe after they do not reach self-imposed perfect standards, right? And that and that's tough. And I, and I once again, this is a chance for us to zoom out. And if we want to recover from being a perfectionist, it starts with recognizing how harmful constant perfectionism can be, and to uh, recognize that one still that one can still hold high standards for oneself and achieve them without being perfect. Other ways to deal with um, perfectionism includes letting go of the need to compare yourself to others. When we compare ourselves to others, we make judgments that can rarely actually that we can rarely actually confirm, especially through social media, right? It looks like they have the perfect life, right? We often compare how we feel inside to how we think others look on the outside, right? Uh, and it's not fair. It's not fair to us. This is such a faulty comparison and, frequ- and frequently a damaging one. Um, but other ways that we can recover from perfectionism is, uh, you know, being mindfulness, you know, trying to stay in the moment, having gratitude for what we have and those that love us examining our own harsh self-judgments and negative internal dialogue can all be helpful antidotes to harmful perfectionism. Finally, having self-compassion is important as is truly learning to see mistakes and challenges as valuable opportunities for growth. And if you're still not, you know, convinced, uh, think about this. You can be an A student and not be an A person. I'll say that again. You can be an A student and not be an A person, right? You can be an honorable student and not be an honorable person. It's about your character and who you are and and what you've learned. I have friends who've gotten an A on their paper, but it's because somebody else wrote the paper. So it's not just about the outcome. It's about who we became during the process of uh, trying to achieve said outcome, right? And just because you're an A student doesn't mean that that's your identity. A students aren't always A students. I uh, I, I do this thing in Toastmasters, and there was a young lady who got up and gave a speech and part of her speech was the fact that in all through up through um, high school she received straight A's and then she got to college and realized she wasn't having any fun so then she became a C student but she was having more fun and more experiences so it's not like she was having so much fun that she you know, was destroying her future. She was actually having more experiences. Yes, she was partying more, but she was networking more. She was experimenting more. She was, uh, she was learning new skills and meeting different types of people versus 
just be meeting no one really because she was always studying. And so, you know, we talk about the three P's. Nothing is personal, pervasive, or permanent. So just because you got an A student or an A grade or you did great today doesn't mean that you're great always. Uh, celebrities are reminders of this. You look at the movies they're in, right? Like Emma Stone. She's uh, uh, arguably one of the, the greatest actresses of our time, right? She was in a movie called The Favorite, and The Favorite got a 93% uh, rating. But then she was also in a movie called Movie 43, and that received a 5% rating. Does that mean now she's a horrible actress and she should never work again? Of course not. Look at Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper was in the movie A Star is Born, and, and that received 95%. And Bradley Cooper was also in Brothers Justice. That received 0% rating. Zero. 95% and zero. Does that mean that Bradley Cooper is an imposter or he's not who he said he's going to be? No. It's just the, the game. It's a part of the process. Some things we're going to hit out the park. Some things, sometimes we're going to strike out, and sometimes we're going to hit a ground ball. It's part of the game. Next time things don't, uh, you know, measure up to your expectations or, um, you, know, uh, you know, leave you feeling disappointed and despair, ask, just remind yourself, one, it's part of the game. Sometimes we hit it out the park. Sometimes we hit a ground ball. Sometimes we strike out. And then two, remind yourself of what you learned along the way, what you enjoyed along the way. Did you enjoy collaborating and studying and working with X, Y, and Z? Did you, uh, did you learn some things that you hadn't learned before? <laughs> I listened to this book the other day. It was a nine-hour audio listen. And... There was one major nugget out of that whole nine hours that I was like, that book was worth it. Nine hour book. This, 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 uh, the author spent years writing this book, putting together all this research, you know, formulating these anecdotes and structuring it. And then, you know, for me, there was, uh, three sentences that was worth listening to the entire and that was worth it for me. So the it, remember, it's about the price, the process. But I'm sure that that author became a smarter person, established more connections, et cetera, et cetera. Even with my podcast, come on, every episode isn't an A episode, right? Um, and that and that's subjective. That is depending on you. Sometimes it's the sound quality. Sometimes it's the length. It's too short. It's too long. It's too this. It's too that whatever that is, but you're still showing up. And I've just said to myself, I'm going to keep putting out episodes. As long as I'm having fun, I get to meet really cool people. I have really cool people on my phone and had really inspiring and nurturing uh, conversations. And I always enjoy, not always, but I typically enjoy talking to the guests. And But I really enjoy, you know, figuring out, what conversations I want to have with you all in these, uh, you know, in these uh, one-on-one episodes. And so as long as I'm enjoying it, I'm learning things about producing my own podcast and 
and and uh, how to build the, the our community. This is all beautiful and wonderful for me. So remind yourself about what you enjoyed about the process. And if you didn't enjoy the process, figure out what you can change so that you can enjoy the process. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo and, uh, and, and, you know, start that conversation now. Don't, like I said, don't wait and, and, until you're in a, until you feel like you're underwater or in a well, that deep, dark well by yourself. It, it's, it's too hard to pick up the phone then. Find somebody, find your person now. Find your person now. And you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.